0: E.L.C. Radio. Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Sit down, holla, holla, be, be humble, holla, holla, sit down, holla, be humble, holla. Sit down, sit down, sit down, be humble, holla, sit down, be humble, holla, sit down, holla, holla, Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. Are you there? It says this: For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. I'm going to read it one more time. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that it is your will that we prosper in life. That we go from one glory to glory to glory. And Father, I thank you that your word is what gives us the power to get better. Your word is what we lean on to improve our lives, Lord God. And we just ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would just pour out your anointing upon this word, that you would open up our hearts today as we receive the word of God. And Father, I thank you that it is your word that helps us level up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So that's what we've been talking about. And I want to wrap this series up today and move into some other things next week. I'm real excited about some of the things that God is speaking to us. But uh, I want to make sure that you understand that this series, I don't do series for the sake of doing series. I try to really do series for this on the sake of what is God saying to us. And as we began this series at the beginning of 2019, I really felt like God was saying it is time to level up. And uh, so we've talked a lot about that in the previous weeks here. You can go online, go on the app and listen to those messages. But Jeremiah 29, 11, I want you to get this scripture in your spirit and understand what it says here. It says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. How many of you know God is thinking about you? He's thinking about you. You're on his mind. And it says here that the thoughts that he has of us are thoughts of peace. And not of evil. God is not thinking about. How he can mess your life up. God is not thinking about. How he's going to teach you a lesson. God is not thinking about. How he's going to show you. That you can't make it without him. God is not thinking about. How he can punish you. For all that dirt you done did. God is not thinking about. How he's going to punish you. Because you think you got over. Because you didn't get caught. God's thoughts of you and I are of peace and not of evil. I want you to just think about that for a moment. He doesn't have to do that, but his word reveals to us that that's how he thinks about us. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. And look at this next part. To give you a future and a hope. And this is where we get this understanding. Many years ago, my pastor, Pastor Charles Neiman, uh, coined this phrase, and it's, it's the truth. God is on your side. Amen. Amen. Do y'all see that? It's what Jeremiah 29 says. God is on your side. He's rooting for you. He's promoting you. He's pushing you. He's thinking good thoughts of you. Heck, some of us can't even do that about our own family members. We're hoping, though, they're going to get theirs. I hope this happens. I hope that happens. Man, we can't even do that around people we love. But God says, my thoughts towards you are of a future and a hope. How many think that's amazing right there? Amen. Let's keep going, though. But God is on your side. Look at 3 John 1 and 2. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, in this scripture right here, John is writing to the church and he is emphasizing something that I believe is in line with the will of God to us. And that is this that we prosper and be in health. That's God's will for our life. I don't know why people get all upset about prosperity and stuff like that. Well, you know, that's it. God, no, God loves you. God wants you to win, He wants you to prosper. You know, I know we hear that a lot nowadays, but there was a time Oral Roberts used to preach that in the 60s and 70s. And man, they wanted to kill him for making the phrase that God is good all the time. Because there were people that didn't believe that. Well, he's not good all the time. He punishes and does this. But when you read the Bible, you understand how much your heavenly father loves you. He has good thoughts about you, wants to give you a future and a hope. And, he, and, and, and the Bible tells us here that we're to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. As you get your mind, your will, and your emotions right, prosperity will come your way. Amen. So prospering in body and mind, listen, is the will of God. It's what God wants for your life. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 is telling us this. We're going to go from glory to glory. And that's what we've been doing this series on. Level up. Go to the next glory. Life is good now, but there's another level waiting for you. Your marriage is good now, but there's another level waiting for you. You're doing good ministry-wise now, but there's another level waiting for you. It is the plan of God that we progress and go from glory to glory. Amen? I'll say it like this. It's the will of God that you level up. That's God's will. It's God's will that you get better. Amen? But understand this. If we're going to level up, What is God's way of leveling us up? I say this all the time. In the kingdom, the way up is down. Oh, you need to catch this today. In the kingdom of God, and remember, the first key to leveling up is seeking first the kingdom of God, which means this. Seek first how God does things, because God don't do things like you and I do things. So he gives us his word, and his word reveals to us how heaven works, how God thinks, how he does things. And for us on this planet, leveling up means you work harder, you grind, you go after it. But in the kingdom, it's different. In the kingdom, God says this, when you humble yourself, I'll exalt you. You ain't going to find that in a business book. You ain't going to find that taught anywhere else other than the kingdom of God. See, the world is very dog eat dog. It's very aggressive. If you've ever had a job where there was a promotion on the line, the guy that you eat lunch next to every day is your friend. As soon as they post that promotion, now it's like, ha, we're against each other now. You know, two brothers, you just broke up. Because now the way the world works is I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get that promotion. And if that that means stab you in the back, if that means throw you under the bus, then that's what's going to happen. But the kingdom of God does not work that way. See, in the kingdom, God's way, the way up is down. And what is what I mean by down? It's basically humility. It's humility. If you're really gonna level up, folks, listen to this now. You gotta humble yourself. You gotta stay humble. You gotta be humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. When you humble yourself, that's when the Bible says God exalts you. But as long as you are in a situation of pride and arrogance, you will never level up. Let me say that again. As long as you are in a situation of pride and arrogance, you will never never level up. Now, here's the thing about pride. Y'all ready for this? Here's the thing about pride. People in pride don't know they're in pride you never know you're in pride because if you knew you were in pride because of what i just said you would get out of it so here's the biggest thing about pride that you got to understand before you're quick to say yeah that's a good word right there Uh, yeah somebody needs to hear that my boss needs to hear this word my wife i hope she's listening right now because she got a lot of pride that might be the case but don't you think that maybe you don't have pride either well, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not proud. See, don't, see, proud people usually don't know they're proud. So if you just said that, I'm probably talking to you. Because of this, true humility never rules out that pride is knocking on the door. True humility never just is close to the idea that maybe I am moving in some pride. Amen. And that's why I want to close this series out talking to you today about something that is super duper important. Tell your neighbor super duper. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 11 through 13. This is a key right here. You got to get if you get this today, it could change your life forever. If you get this today, it'll keep you from a divorce. If you get this today, it'll keep your kids from hating you when you get old. How many know those are big things? If you get this today, you'll keep you from losing that good job that you have right now, if you get this. You ready? Proverbs 3:11 through13 says this: "My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. People, if you are going to level up in life, you have to be open to correction. And I'm just going to let that marinate right there like some El Pastor or something on you. Just get it all up in the meat and your bones and stuff. Because, listen, this is so important that some good-meaning people, some very talented people, some very rich people cannot reach their destiny because they're closed to correction. There are some people that never make the NBA, and it's not because of lack of talent. It's because they can't receive correction. There are some really beautiful women out there, incredible women that can't stay in a marriage Because they can't receive correction. There's some really cool guys. I'm going after guys too, ladies. Don't look at me like that. There's some really cool men, really cool, talented, nice guys, but they can't receive correction, so they're never going to stay married. They're never going to stay prosperous. This is such an important aspect to leveling up. I need you to catch this today. And I need you to have the prayer of, Lord, help me to understand how correction can affect my life. Correction's important. Proverbs says it right there. Don't detest his correction. Here's the key for whom the Lord loves, oh, come on, somebody, he corrects. We're losing this in today's society. Today's society that is moving away from biblical concepts and biblical knowledge is beginning to teach society that correction is bad when the Bible tells us correction is love. And if you didn't grow up with a father that corrected you, I'm sorry. If you didn't grow up with a mom and dad that loved you enough to tell you when you were wrong and spank you and and discipline you, I'm sorry. Because what you grew up lacking was a level of love. Was a level of love. I've said this before in our series on missing pieces before. That one of the basic human needs everyone has is the need for correction. If you don't believe me, spend time with a toddler. He is crying. How many know your kids are crying out for spanking sometimes? They're just asking for it. If they could talk, they would say, Dad, could you just give me a pow pow real quick? Just need a little bit of love. But because they can't talk, they just get ornery and disobedient. And what is all that? That is a cry for love. Not nurturing, but love. Because what is love according to God's word? Are you guys catching this today? It's correction. Write this down. Correction is an expression of care and love. It's an expression of it. You young parents out there, learn how to love your kids right. Love them babies. Love them with a nice little, on the backside, love. Come on. Correction is an expression of care and love. We're losing that in today's society. We're losing that. Nobody wants to be corrected. Even when they're wrong, they don't want to be corrected. We must learn to not detest correction, but welcome it. Now, this is where we need God's love. This is where we need, I'm sorry, not his love, his power. Amen. We need his power to renew our minds, to want it, to desire it, and also to to interpret it the right way. Now, let me read to you here from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. 5 through 11. Hebrews chapter 12, 5 through 11. It's going to help you today. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening, or one translation says, the correction of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chasten and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, this got my attention. Because when you read that in the book of Hebrews, it says two words, chastening and, sc- and scourging. Chastening is a verbal rebuke. Scourging is a spanking. And the Bible says that God's into both of them. Ooh, amen. I don't know about you, but I've been spanked by God before. Anybody else? Am I the only one? Was I the baddest kid here that ever got spanked by God? Y'all just get, y'all just get chastenings. Now, God has spanked me before. I've been through some times where God was was loving on me. He's loving on me. That's what he was doing, showing me where I was wrong. Let's keep going. Uh, And and it says, the scourges every son whom he receives. Listen to this. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, listen to this, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. I need you to just catch what we just read there. God says what qualifies you to be a son. And in this case, someone who inherits the blessing of the father you got to go through correction. If you don't, it says there, you're illegitimate. Now, what does illegitimate mean? Did you know when there was an illegitimate son in these days, he got no inheritance? He got no inheritance. So when the king had a son that was illegitimate, his other sons inherited everything the king had, the gold, the money, the land. But the illegitimate son got no covenant. Folks, we've got sons and daughters of God that are walking around with no inheritance. And you want to know why? Because every time God tries to correct them, they run from him. You know how many churches were started by pastors that ran from their old church because they got corrected and said, I'm going to go start my own church then. You know what that's called? Illegitimate. Illegitimate. You know, when we started our church, I had a video up on there uh, for many, many years when we first started the church of my pastor in Florida blessing me to go. And the reason I did it, because I didn't want anybody misinterpreting. This was not my wife and I's idea. This was not us running from correction. This was not us mad at our old pastor, so we're going to go do our own thing. Listen, if we wouldn't have had the blessing of our pastor, I would have never done this. Because illegitimacy robs you of what is rightfully yours. Are you catching this today? So there's going to be a lot of Christians that love God, but will never inherit his promises in their life. Because it says here that one of the requirements to receive your inheritance as a legitimate son and daughter is that you endure correction. You don't run from it. You don't despise it. Are you guys guys tracking with me today? And we live in a society in America, nobody can tell you nothing. Nobody wants to hear anything. Teachers can't even correct kids in class. Parents can't even correct their kids nowadays. We don't want to hear nothing from nobody. Correction is bad. Some of us were just raised under that mantra. And if anybody corrects you, then they're bad too. But how many know some of us didn't grow up that way? Any adult could correct me when I was coming up. Makes me laugh. Makes me laugh how things are today. Listen, I could never come home complaining about a teacher to my mom and dad. Well, she's, she was mean to me, Dad. She you know she 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 doesn't like me. Well, why don't she like you? Come here. Let me give you a spanking. Spanking so you could be somebody she likes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Because there has to be people that correct you. And we now have a society and we have people that are uncorrectable. Guess what? You'll never reap the life that God has for you. You'll never be a partaker as a son and daughter of God without correction. There's something else in the scripture that just alarms me and it hurts my heart because it talks about fathers. And we are one of the first generations that really doesn't know what a father is. And for many of us, it's not our fault. You didn't choose the parents that you came from. You didn't get to choose if your dad was going to be around. And so now we read verses like this that, you know, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews writes, and he says things like, if you're without chastening of which all have become partakers and you're illegitimate and not sons, furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us. See, wait a minute. Some of us didn't. Some of us didn't have human fathers that corrected us. That hurts my heart right there because that's not the will of God that we came up the way some of us came up. But how many of you know God has provision for what you did not have? And you may not have had a a father that corrected you, but God will put others in your life now that will correct you. Because the blessing of fatherhood to sonship is that there is somebody in your life that corrects you. And some of us right now, as I look through this congregation, there is nobody in your life that you allow to correct you. And you are in big, big trouble. You're in big trouble. One of the things you're in trouble of is never receiving your divine inheritance. God has, I read you all those scriptures to start out today of all the blessings that God has for you. He wants you to prosper and be in health. He has thoughts of your hope and a future. He wants all these things from you. But if you don't learn to see correction through a lens of love, anybody that tries to correct you, you'll run from. And guess what? You will run the rest of your days. You'll be 80 running from God, running from his correction. And I tell you what, that's a sad, sad place to be. Now, let's keep reading there. All right. Y'all getting this? Praise God it says this. And and he scourges every son he receives and you endure chastening. God deals with you as sons for what son is there that a father does not correct. It's the father's job to bring correction. But if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate and not sons. You don't get your inheritance. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. We paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, listen to this, for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. There's a reason God corrects us. Now listen to this part. Now no chastening, no correction seems to be joyful for the present but it's painful. Nevertheless, after it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What is the Bible telling us right here? We've got to learn that correction is love, but it also tells us the other side of it. Understand, correction does not feel good. And the church said, And if you're going to sit there and tell me it feels good, we need to pray over you because you have a lying spirit. (laughs) You have a religious lying spirit because no correction, according to God's word, feels good. How many of you have have experienced that before? I've never had my kids come and say, Father, thank you for that spanking. (laughs) Never. And your kids will never do it either. But you know what what will happen when they get older? Because I've done this to my dad. I've said, hey, dad. Appreciate all those spankings I got. Took me 40 years to get there, but I got there. But, but understand though this. So, so correction doesn't feel good. But look what else these, the, comes out of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 here. It says this. Don't be discouraged when corrected. Don't be discouraged when corrected. Correction's good. Tell your neighbor, correction's good. Now, here's the thing that Hebrews 12 talks about. Sons and daughters can be corrected. We just read that. Sons and daughters can be corrected. But can I tell you who can't be corrected? Orphans and vagabonds. Victims of rejection and abuse can't receive correction. Now I want you to lend me your ears today, okay? I want you to really hear what the Spirit of God is saying today. It's not saying that you can't receive it. It's saying that you've got to exchange your identity for a new one. The Bible, when you read the Bible, scriptures are loaded saying you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're an heir to salvation. We read these things. We go because we've got to renew our mind because you know what the natural mind tells you? You're a victim. You've been abused. You've been hurt. You've been rejected. There's something wrong with you. Now, when you live under those things, when you live under all that, correction is hard to receive. But when you live under healthy sonship and daughtership and family and love, correction is easier for you to digest. So this is where we have a problem with our society today. Because the statistics are amazing uh, as to uh, abuse in, in, in families today. I mean, it's, I don't even think they're, I think they're saying one in three uh, adults have been victims of, of uh, sexual or physical abuse in their lifetime. That is huge. But can I just tell you, it's probably higher. Because there's some people that never talk about it with anybody. We just met a person this past week in their 40s and for the first time expressed this happened to me when I was a child. So if the statistics are correct that one in three have experienced abuse, we've got to deal with something here. Because one of the fruits of remaining a victim means you can't receive this type of love because it's the kind of love that is reserved for a son and a daughter. And if you're God's son and God's daughter, hear me now, you are no longer a victim. You may have been a victim, but you got to leave that victim mentality and come unto sonship, daughtership. You got to. You got to leave it. I know it wasn't fair what was done to you. That was not God's will that that was done to you. But the first thing you got to do is you got to leave that. And the way we leave that, y'all ready for this? Forgiveness, forgiveness is the key to let you out of that prison of hurt. It's the key. You gotta forgive. Now, some of us have that key, but we can't use it. I ain't forgiving them. I'm not gonna do that. I didn't deserve that. They don't deserve forgiveness. No, 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 no. That's where you've got to humble yourself to God's word and allow God to give you the power to forgive. Because forgiveness is not about the person. It's about you and God. Victims, they don't forgive. Sons, of, sons and heirs of salvation unto the Lord, they can give it over to the Lord, and the Lord sets them free. Guys, we need to catch this today because there's a generation that doesn't know how to receive correction. And without correction, you cannot receive the fullness of God's love. The proper response to correction is respect. Do you know what the most people's response to correction is? Attack. Now, let's talk about this for a moment here. Correction, it says here in Hebrews, is painful. Now, this is where it all, this is where we all, we get, we get tripped up. Correction is painful. We have got to learn how to process different types of pain. Not all pain is the same. Some pain is is good for you. Can I get an amen on that? Ever been to the gym? That pain is good for you. Amen? It's, don't get it twisted, though. It's still pain. It's still pain. It's pain that hits you the next day. And sometimes the day after that, depending on how old you are. It, it, that's pain. But it's a good pain. And can I tell you this? Correction is one type of good pain. And the Bible tells us it doesn't feel good at the moment, but it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. But here's the problem with people that have been hurt or abused. What begins to happen to them is pain begins to be a trigger point for something that they're still in bondage to. See, when you were little and somebody hurts you, it takes you to a place. And now that place causes you to fight like never before. I hope some married couples are listening right now. Because sometimes when you experience pain in your marriage, you fight your husband like he was your abuser and he isn't. But you do that because you're still chained to that pain. Are you guys just too heavy for you today? You need to catch this today. Because for so many people, when they experience any kind of pain, it takes them to a wrong place. And instead of thinking logically, Instead of processing correction the right way, they log it together with pain bad, pain abuse, pain not love, pain hurt, all this stuff, and then they can never move past and get to the place where pain can be good. This is why we need the Holy Spirit, y'all. This is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to get us to a place, okay, this is where we've got to see, you know, God moving in our lives. This is not a game. This isn't Sunday church. Let me just go and look like a Christian. Listen, do the work to get free. We've got people, we've got some of us here, if you're completely honest with yourself, you don't like yourself. If you're completely honest with yourself, you're still carrying the scars of abuse and past pain. But then we've got a group called Propel. You won't go to it. We've got guys here that need help, man, in their walk. They need to grow in the Lord. You know you're messed up. You're just doing your best to hide it. And you're hoping nobody else finds out. Man, forget all that. Do the work. It's harder to hide than it is just come out and get free. You're spending all this time hiding, ducking and dodging, When you can put that energy in just getting free, getting fixed. Are you tracking with me today? There are tools that God will give you. We can't afford to just sit back and just, you know, well, I was abused. I was a victim of this and I was a victim of that. Get free. Get free. So that that man that you married can love you and that you can love him back. Tell your neighbor, get free. Especially if you sit next to your spouse. Come on, somebody. Tell your spouse, get free. Are you guys tracking with me today? Let, let, let me keep going here. Let me, let, let me, let me help you guys because I'm trying to help somebody. Look at Job chapter 517. It says this, behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Ooh. You ever meet somebody that's always mad? You want to know why they're always mad? Because they ain't got no correction. <laughs> you ever see that person you get into the office? they always having a bad day. That's why. Guess what they need? A little bit of correction. A little bit of correction. A little pow pow. <laughs> Happy people digest correction. We're healthy with it. It's good. You got something that's going to help me? Bring it on, brother. Come on. Ooh, all right. Thank you for that. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Let me ask you this question. Make a list on your phones right now of who in your life can correct you. Make it out. Go ahead. Do it. Y'all got phones. Y'all got phones? Don't act like you ain't got. Now you don't want to be on your phone. (laughs) Really. Can't get you to put it down no other time. Get, get your phone out. Get your phone out. Make a list. Who can correct me in my life? Put it down there. Now, I know some of you ain't pulling nothing out because nobody can correct you. Thank you for being honest. That's what church is about. If you're having a hard time thinking about who am I open to correction to, then I'm talking to you. And some of us, that's where we're at. Nobody can talk to you. Nobody can tell you nothing. We got to fix that. Because Job tells us, you want to get happy, you need God's correction in your life. I have a list of people in my life that can correct me. Pastor Lance will be with us next week. He's somebody that whenever we do something, hey, I bring it to him. What do you think? Pastor Charles Neiman corrects me. And let me tell you, Pastor Charles, he is Clint Eastwood of the body of Christ. He is go ahead, make my day, dude. All right. He's what he looks like. So when I sit across from him and I'm like, hey, Pastor Charles, what do you think? He never pulls a punch. that's don't do that. That's that's not right. I'm sitting there like, but I prayed about that for a year. No, it's a mistake. Don't do that. You know how some people like. uh, What do they say? A spoonful of sugar. Let the medicine go down. Not my pastor. (laughs) He just take this. Boom. But you know what? I welcome it. There's other relationships that I have in my life, not just my pastor, but people that I submit correction to. Here's another thing. Anybody I pay to go to counseling to see, I submit myself to what they're telling me. You know, I do a lot of time challenging you, go to counseling, go to counseling. But I've lost, I've left out one important thing about going to counseling. Do what the counselor says. Because y'all think you got you done because I went. Well, we went to counseling. Yeah, what'd they tell you? Oh, they told us to do this. Did you do it? No. You just wasted 100 bucks an hour. So you know what I do before I give somebody 100 bucks an hour for counseling? I decide I'm giving this fool $100 an hour. I am going to make myself do what they tell me to do because I'm not dumb. Because to pay you to tell me to do something and then not do it, shame on me. I should have just took a match to that hundred dollar bill right there and just burned it up. But did you know that's what people do? Make a list. Who can correct you in your life? Now, here's the second question to that list there. What was your reaction the last time those people corrected you? Did you argue with them? Did you make excuses? I want to help somebody today. Before I let you go, I want to give you responses I have heard through the years to being corrected. It's going to change your life right here because we all do this, including me. Y'all ready for this? Do you have that slide? Number one, responses I have heard through the years to being corrected. They don't understand my situation. Anybody ever said that after you got corrected? Oh, pastor, just don't understand. He ain't from the hood like me. He ain't never been to the pen. No, no, pastor, it ain't like that. I ain't like you. You you just don't understand. There are thoughts that you're always going to have when you're corrected. And if I can help you identify toxic thoughts that happen when you're corrected, you won't believe them. And in 25 years of having to be in a position of a pastor where I have to bring the word of God, and one of the uses of the word of God is to bring correction, I've seen almost all of it. 25 years is a long time, coast to coast, on different nations. same thing. And here's the other things. Some of these I got from me. Because I do them too. And these are responses that happen that we've got to eliminate because they're lies. So, so there, there are certain responses that we have uh, to being corrected. And the first one is this. We make excuses. Well, they don't understand. They don't know the whole story. Well, you know, they don't, they don't really know where I come from. He doesn't understand my wife. Well, they don't this. They don't that. Here's what you got to understand. Is that a person that God has given to correct you? And if it is, get rid of the excuses. They don't understand my situation. Can I just tell you, nobody is going to fully understand your situation. It is impossible to fully understand a person's situation. So if you're waiting for someone to fully understand your situation before you receive correction, you're going to be waiting a long, long, long time. Amen? I'm telling you, get rid of that response. Get rid of it. Uh, They're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And just learn to digest what is being said. Number two, well, they aren't perfect either, so therefore I don't agree. You know, this response is, I'm going to, because I don't like what you're saying, I'm going to attack the messenger. Oh, there's people that love me until I have to correct them. You're you're my spiritual daddy. Yeah, you're your spiritual papa. Yes, that's my spiritual father right there. And then I sit across from him in a spirit of love and say, hey, man, you know, we got to do that different. We got to do this like that. The way you're doing it, it's it's not really good. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I noticed this, 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 and this about you. How many of you ever sat in your manager's office and you was cool and then they came at you and said, hey, man, you know, y- when you did this, this is not right. And you get all mad. Well, you don't do things right either. You know how dumb you sound when you do that? <laughs> but how many know we all do it in our marriages? Baby, could you not put those cups there? Well, the other day you, you left a glass out. How- how are you going to tell me? How many have ever done that? Raise, but y'all, God's going to get you, you lying. Baby, can, can you put your phone away while we're eating dinner? You're always on your phone. How are you going to tell me to put my phone down? How many have ever done that? Come on, y'all. How many ever do those things? You know what that is? An improper response to some correction. You know what you got to practice doing? you got to bite that lip until it bleeds, and you just go, yes, dear. I'm going to put it down right here. Even though you don't ever do what I say, I'm going to do what you say. How, how many see, that's, that's what we do with life in life. We do that, amen? Can I just ask you to do something? Stop doing that. It's not easy, but you could stop doing it. Number three, third response I've heard through the years of being corrected. Okay, I hear what you're saying, but you could have said it another way. You know what this is called? Deflecting. It's deflecting. And we use this all the time, don't we? You go in, your boss rebukes you. You come out, what'd he say? Well, he told me I need to get here on time. Well, you do need to get there on time. Yeah, but he didn't have to, he didn't have to come at me like that. How'd you want him to come at you, <laughs> humble servant? Can you please get to work on time? You want—is that what you wanted? Do you want him to bring you a cupcake? And he told you that? Yeah. Do you want him to hug you and tell him you how awesome you are, and then rebuke you? Would that have made it better? Can I just help every person here? Corrections never come across—gonna come across perfectly, ever, ever. It's never going to come across perfectly. I've tried. I have prayed. I've walked my office. Before i got a meeting. God, give me the word so they get this. Give me the spirit of gentleness. Let the spirit of the Virgin Mother Mary come over me right now so that I can just open the heart and make them feel nurtured and loved as I bring this strong correction. And I sit down and they still get him a cookie before we start. Hey, I made these homemade cookies for you. Would you like some homemade cookies? Have a cookie here. Here's a dollar, too. Now, I got to talk to you about something. Now, we really got to talk about something, buddy. Change my voice up, make it all non-threatening. You know, buddy, I just, I got to tell you, you know, and they still leave there all mad. Talking about, I didn't, I, well, he's right, but he didn't have to come at me like that. Can I just help you? Get rid of that excuse. Was what was said right or wrong? Was what was said right or wrong? If it was right, don't deflect. Because you'll always be able to point to things that are imperfect about correction. And it only makes you a fool. Can we do that? Can I just tell you, I do that sometimes. I've done that. But I've learned through the years. Ah, when, I, when I'm starting to do that, ah, don't do that. That's weak. Was what was being said right? Okay, that's what I'm going to focus on. Is this helping anybody? Okay, let's keep going. I've got a couple more and I'll let you go. Trying to change somebody's life here. Number four, responses I've heard through the years to being corrected. They are mean. They don't care about me. What? What? They don't care about you? They're mean? Listen, you know what that is? Trying to disqualify the messenger from speaking into your life. It's interesting that you loved them all up until they had to have a meaningful conversation with you. And then all of a sudden, I'm mean. All of a sudden, your boss is mean. All of a sudden, they don't understand. you you Learn how to get rid of all the emotional stuff when your husband brings something up. And try to focus on what is being said. Get rid of how it's being said. I know that's a difficult part. Now, trust me, there is a right way to do correction and a wrong way. There is. But guess what? If you're waiting for it to always be right, you're going to be waiting forever. And the Bible says corrections for your benefit. So I have learned to get rid of anything that stands in the way of my benefiting from it. So I've taken correction from guys and they did it wrong and I still received it. Because it, it wasn't up to them. It's up to me. Are you guys tracking with me? So we disqualify messengers by critiquing how they did it, or they don't love me, and all this kinds of thing. And the last one here, the last response I've heard through the years to being corrected, oh, no, it's not that. Oh, no, no, no. Brother, uh, you know, come over here. I I want to talk to you. You know, I I feel like, you know, they, They first of all, they come to me. Pastor, can you help me with something? I don't know what it is. I just, you know... Uh, nothing's working for me. And, and i say in my most nicest voice, well, bro, you know what I really discern and what I feel like it is? I feel like maybe you're just dealing with a spirit of pride. Oh, no, no, that's not what it is. <laughs> are, are you sure? Because, you know, I, I'm kind of just, I'm not trying to say this to hurt you. I just, you know, you're doing these things here and that usually points to pride. No, I've already prayed about that and, and God already told me that it's not that. Okay. Do you know how many people have come to me for instruction and correction and advice and then when I give it to them they say no it's not that. Right. Then why did you waste my time? I cleared my schedule to meet with you. And then I give you something from the word, not just I'm not just pulling stuff out of thin air. Yeah. Listen, this is what it is. And then you hear it and because listen, you don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, that's not it. Yeah. Guys, Learn not to do that. Learn not to do that. You know what I've learned as a mature adult? As a mature adult, what I've learned is how to receive things that I don't see. Now, let me leave you with this. I'm I'm going a little bit over here. Proper responses to correction. I'll post this on the Facebook page. Proper responses to correction. Number one, be open to what you do not see. Be open to what you do not see. Write that down. Be open to what you do not see. Because you're an intelligent person. If you'd see it, you'd stop doing it. So we need people to tell us things we don't see. So if somebody comes to me, say my pastor or one of my friends, they say, hey, you know, we noticed the way you treat Tina is kind of rough, man. You're kind of hard on her, you know. They've never, ever said that, by the way. (laughs) No, actually, I have been told that by a pastor way back when. And you know what I said? In my mind, (laughs) this guy don't know me. What's he talking about? Hard on her. He he don't see everything. He don't know how she is. (laughs) Because that's what we do. We talk ourselves out of correction. But you know what I've learned to do? Wow. Why do you think that? And I let them explain. And I'll go, man, I don't see it that way, but I'm going to take what you're saying, and I'm going to take it to prayer. You know what that's called? Being a mature adult. You know what that's called? Humility. Because maybe I'm doing something to her that I don't see. Right? Because I only want to love her. I only want to treat her right. But maybe there are weaknesses in my life that come across in a wrong way. Amen? So a proper response to correction is be open to what you do not see. Number two, desire correction to level up. Desire correction. Desire it. It's all good. Hey, I need to talk to you. Okay, cool. Not, oh God, pastor wants to speak to me. <laughs> Principal's office, you know, how they. oh Lord. Or when you come home and your wife says, hey, could you sit down? I want to have a talk. Oh Lord, what did I do? What? What now? Listen, learn how to have a healthy desire for correction. Learn how to go to your wife and say, babe, I want to have a conversation. Man, is there something that I'm doing that I need to be doing better? Amen? And don't just do it so that you can go, okay, now my turn. <laughs> you know? Don't just do it because of that. But desire it. Desire it. Because here's, what, here's, here's the thing. If you don't desire it right, people that don't learn how to desire correction will run from it the rest of their lives. And running from correction disqualifies you from your spiritual inheritance. Because he says, whom he loves, he scourges. Whom he loves, he chastens. Sons and daughters get corrected. So here's the problem I see with most people. The minute somebody corrects you, you misinterpret it as rejection rather than correction. And what do we do with rejection? We run. So do you know there's people that move churches all the time over and over and over again? Because the minute they get corrected, they're out of there. People do that in relationships. The moment the person you love has to tell you and go, hey, baby, you know, when you do this, it hurts me. You, well, you don't know me. And the relationship goes down the toilet. What would have happened if you just learned to love correction? Amen? Number two is desire correction to level up. Number three, always consider if the people who are offering correction love you and want the best for you. Always consider if the people who are offering correction love you and want the best for you. That's the first thing I I do. Is the person telling me this, do they love me? Then I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Yeah, maybe they're having an off day when they told me it, but do they love me? I'm going to listen. Could they have maybe, maybe put a little sugar on top of it Would have made it go down a little better? Yeah, but they love me. I'm going to listen. Number four, don't let your feelings lead you. Process it. Separate correction from how you feel. Guys, we cannot be emotionally led human beings anymore. You can't do it. Emotions are up and down. Emotions will take you on a roller coaster ride through life where you're unstable. Ladies, don't let emotions rule your life. Men, don't let emotions rule your life. You rule your emotions through God's Word. Can I get an amen on that? Because remember, He tells us in the Word correction don't feel good. Feel feelings, emotions. So when you get corrected, there's going to be emotions attached to it. And most of the time, they're not good until you get your mind renewed. So you got to learn to resist the emotions. Man, some of us don't even need to go to a counselor. If you and your husband can just have a real talk and you not allow your emotions to go crazy, y'all could really solve some stuff. But you're so emotionally driven, you're going to have to pay $100 an hour. You you have to. And sometimes you do have to do that. It's not a dumb thing. Do whatever you need to do. But if you could learn to let the word of God guide you, you can work through some of that stuff on your own. I know some of us can't because of abuse and things like that. It's okay. Do whatever you got to do. But I'm just telling you, allow God to work on your emotions. Because happy people are people that are subject to correction. Don't let your feelings mislead you. Number five, learn to submit to what you don't see out of principle. What do I mean by that? Learn to, learn to submit to things you don't see out of principle. The guys that are in my life, that speak into my life, they can anything they say, I'm going to listen to. Pastor Charles can come in and challenge me on anything that I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And I don't even give myself the level to, to agree or disagree. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't just do whatever you say. Yes, sir, I'm not like a robot. But understand, I'm so open to people in my life that God has placed there. Because number one, I believe God has placed them there. That I've tried my best, here it is, to make it easy for them to correct me. Because I'm the benefiter. You know what you don't want? The people in your life to to stop wanting to correct you. And can I tell you something? There's some people I'm I'm not even trying to correct because it's too much work. It's too painful. So, you know, I'm like, okay, that's what you want. So learn how to submit out of principle to those that God has placed in your life to correct you. Who do you give permission to correct you? Some of us got nobody. Nobody. And here's your reason. Well, you know, can your boss correct you? No, because this, 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 and this. There's never going to be a perfect messenger. There just isn't. Do you let your husband correct you? No, because he does this, 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 and this. Do you let your wife correct you? No, because she's like this, 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 and this there's never going to be a perfect vessel to correct you. So get rid of all that and try to discern who God has in your life. Can I tell you some people that you should allow to correct you? Y'all ready for this? And I'm going to close. I'm even going to put my computer down because some of you are are getting antsy. Can I just help you on this last thing? If you're married to somebody, they have the right to to come correct you. Are they perfect? No. Do they have the right? Yes. So single people, watch who you marry. Watch who you marry. Because if you marry a knucklehead, he's going to be correcting you your whole life. And guess what? You're going to need to listen to it. So the person you're married to should be able to correct you. And can I tell you something? Nobody knows you like the person you're married to. That's scary. Sometimes they know you better than you know you. My wife can sometimes see when I'm getting worked up. And she'll say, babe, are you okay? I'm I'm good. I'm good. No, she's like, no, I I could see what's going on. See, because she knows certain aspects of me better than I'm allowed, I'm willing to say I know myself. So how dumb would I be? to silence her voice into my life. Now, I'll be honest with you. It took me a little while. Easy, easy. She said a long while. She said yesterday you got that revelation. (laughs) But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to listen to your spouse. It's hard to admit when they're right and you're wrong. Right? Married people? Oh, y'all got it down? It's just us? It's hard. But think about it. She knows me better than I, I know myself. I've got to allow that voice in. So a person that should be able to correct you is your spouse. All right? Another person, anybody in your life that loves you, sometimes my kids correct me. Now don't, don't get it twisted. They don't come in, "Hey, Dad, I need to talk to you." <laughs> no, I ain't like that, because you know what the Bible says? Check it out. The Bible says, don't rebuke an elder. The Bible says it's unbiblical for you to bring correction against an elder in the church and in life. I don't try to correct my dad. No, it's not going to happen. You're not supposed to do it like that. There's there's an order to things. But we've got to learn to listen to the people that I love. And there's times my kids express something in our family meetings that my wife and I both have to just go, guys, we're sorry. We didn't mean we didn't mean to be like that, you know. And it's not like they're coming at us, but you don't op- don't open those floodgates. But what I'm saying is, learn to listen to the people around you that love you. Amen. I'm gonna leave you with this last scripture. I know I closed my my uh, my notes here. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Some of y'all ain't coming back. That's all right. I'm trying to help you. Let me leave you with this. Go ahead and stand on your feet. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 says this. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and those who are over you in the Lord. Do y'all see that? Look on the screen right there. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. I know we live in a civilization right now where everybody wants to be the same. And we're all the same. God loves us the same. But do you know he loves us the same? But there are people in the kingdom that are over us. I got them. You got them. Allow people that are over you to correct you. Amen? If you're an usher, we got head ushers. They're over you. If you're in the children's department, we got head children's department leaders. They're over you. Are you guys catching this last one here? First Peter 2, 13 through 17. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether as king supreme or to governors, as to those who were sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praises of those who do good. For this is the will of God. Guess who else can correct you? I hope you knew this one. Your boss. No, my boss is a jerk doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Everybody in every ordinance for the Lord's sake. Hey, college students, teachers, hey, high schoolers, teachers, junior hires, teachers, guys, correction's not bad. It's for our good. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I pray that this word Would bear the peaceable fruit of righteousness. May we all be open to your correction. May we all recognize when you've sent servants into our lives to help us, to encourage us, and give us the strength, Holy Spirit, to submit ourselves to correction. It's for our benefit. There's somebody out there, Lord, that can help us level up. We're one person away from that next level. We're one tough conversation away from a better marriage. We're one tough conversation away from a restored relationship or a promotion. Help us to take our walls down, Lord God. And help us to be open to instruction and correction. And everybody said, Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.